0: Hey team, welcome back to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing. I'm Major Reed. Tech Sergeant Jacqueline. And uh, if you guys are new to the show, uh, on The Pillars we talk about a wide variety of topics related to health and human performance and we're... Happy to be joined in the studio today by Captain Morgan Carpenter. She's the uh, flight commander over uh, nutritional medicine at the 633rd Medical Group. And she's with us today to talk about uh, a lot of different things, but we'll be focusing on uh, obviously nutrition, but we want to talk about supplements, supplement use, some of the risks and benefits associated with supplements. And uh, I'm sure we'll get into a lot of different discussions uh, uh, on those topics, but welcome to the show. We're happy to have you. Thank you. happy to be here. So we've known each other for a hot minute, Mm -hmm. uh, literally about a half hour I think we've gotten to know each other. Um, You told me that you're relatively new to the uh, Air Force and and your job in the Air Force. Can you give us a little bit of a background? Where are you coming from? What motivated you to do this in the Air Force?
1: Um, So I have been a clinical dietitian for about almost seven years now. Um, I worked in the adult ICU and the neonatal ICU in Las Vegas. Hmm. Um, I've also worked in California and Colorado. Um, I have a master's in biomechanics. It's basically a really fancy way of saying kinesiology. So the fitness side of the world has been kind of my realm just personally. Um, I've competed in 10 bodybuilding shows in figure. So as a civilian, so I've had a little bit of knowledge of supplements just for my own personal benefit or whatever I was doing. Um, it's a little different than the military. But I came in the military because I'm hoping to go to PA school okay. and change kind of the path. Um, but also it was a good opportunity at the time and I actually thought Langley had a NICU. So they did. And that was the original motivation. Um, okay. Neonates are kind of like my passion.
0: OK, well, that's that's interesting. Inter- and I'm glad that you brought up your background. And you mentioned that before when we were first getting to know each other, just with the background in uh, in bodybuilding. I think when you think about like intelligence personnel, uh, you have maybe for you it evokes some kind of stereotype about, you know, what the typical uh, intel analyst looks like. And I guess since I've been in the enterprise, I've been fairly surprised and happily so to have some of those stereotypes matched because uh, I I know of a lot of people who are really interested in fitness in general but uh, bodybuilding and uh, we were working on coaching a a guy back in Germany uh, at one of our other sites uh, who was competing at an amateur level across Germany so quite a few people in our enterprise uh, are are interested in that well so I appreciate you bringing that to to the table today to the show. Um, All right. Well, maybe we should just kind of dive right in. And I I approached you originally because I wanted to talk about uh, supplements and supplement use. Um, Can you just help us understand or like what's a good way for us to think about supplements? Basic question, what is a supplement? When are we using them?
1: Okay. So supplements are defined as products that you take by mouth that have a dietary ingredient of some kind. So examples of that, vitamins, minerals, herbs, botanicals, Um, amino acids and they're intended to supplement the usual intake of these substances in our day-to-day diets but they are meant to be a supplementation of something that we don't already get Mm -hmm. Um, they are not meant to be the go-to
0: they're not meant to be uh, food or nutrients Mm, in and of themselves okay so the way that you describe it it makes me think of supplements as something that someone would very intentionally take to supplement some area of nutrition that they're not getting. Mm-hmm. But I suspect that a lot of people are using supplements, they just don't think of it in that way. Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: so caffeine's a supplement. Um, vitamins and minerals are considered supplements. Again, so people will take, you know, they don't need a complete diet, and they'll say, but I'm taking B12. Well, that's great, but you don't need to take B12 if you eat correctly. Okay. So um, there's supplements, Are found in our daily food. Otherwise, you know, we wouldn't have this category at all. We already get them, so why are you supplementing them? What is the purpose? Is really the biggest question that you have to ask anybody that's talking about using a supplement.
0: I feel like I'm going to stir up like a huge controversy in asking this question, but you brought up vitamins, and I I suspect that they're important, Mm -hmm. Um, but. Do you have any kind of definitive uh, advice for us about multivitamins? Like, should we take one? Should we not?
1: Yeah. I mean, the the thing is, we always say food first, mm-hmm. period. It's a, the dietetic standard. It's what is accepted. It's appropriate. Um, however, multivitamins, you're not hurting yourself by mm-hmm. taking one. It takes majority of the time for most of the vitamins and minerals To get to an upper limit or what we consider like dangerous limit of a vitamin or mineral, you have to take a lot Mm. of it. Okay, it's not going to hurt
0: us to take a multivitamin. Um, Is there a point at which we're wasting our money with respect to vitamins? So
1: in food science, when I was an undergrad, we did an experiment where we dissolved um, three different vitamin chains in vinegar, which is the kind of close to stomach acid content. Mm. It's not as acidic, but we tried. Um, to see what would dissolve in 15 minutes. So if you can do that and the capsule is intact, then you are peeing out your vitamins. Mm, mm. If you dissolve it, so ma- you know when you swallow it, you'll get some of those enzymes that will digest it, but because you're not masticating or chewing, mm. the stomach is responsible for the digestion of those, um, and which gets them into your system.
0: So without doing the test that you just talked about, how would an individual know if a vitamin that they're taking is... Sometimes, is good for them to take.
1: Um, if you're taking one, like, if you're taking a multivitamin, you won't necessarily be able to tell. If you took something like riboflavin by itself, which is a B vitamin, your pee turns neon yellow if you're peeing it out. Love it. So you know. Asparagus. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, and, you know, not all of them have that little tick. Mm-hmm. But, again, like a multivitamin, you if you... Are going to the bathroom and it's coming out of your body and it's a capsule like you know that's not happening mm-hmm. but other than that like you don't you don't really know it's not magic it's mm-hmm. not food you're not chewing it up digesting it and utilizing what you can mm-hmm. so you don't you don't know the answer is we don't know right all the time
0: so you kind of mentioned this philosophy of food first but um I have listened to another nutritionist in the past talk about. We're in my house. Uh, I wouldn't say we're juicers, but we're blenders, right? So we love we love our uh, professional blender. Uh, but what are your thoughts on blending versus eating food?
1: Okay, so juicing and blending are different. Yep, juicing pulls all the fiber out. Blending does not. Blending you get to keep the fibrous skin or whatever was in the fruit or vegetable. Yeah. And it has particles in it. When you juice, you throw all of that away. Sure. So juicing, I would literally never recommend. You basically condense this fruit or vegetable down to the water content and the sugar content. And yeah, some of the vitamins and minerals, none of the fiber. And whatever color was in the skin of the fruit, like an apple, you don't get that anymore. Um, if you were to juice a tomato, you don't get the, the peel in there anymore. An orange, you don't get that anymore. You, and you pull out all those little fibrous things that hold an orange together. So, I mean, juicing and blending are different. If you're someone who can like drink egg and mix it with celery and spinach in the morning and you blend it up and then you drink the whole thing, sure, get crazy. Like if that makes you happy, go for it. Um, you're not missing out on the nutrition piece because you haven't taken anything out
0: of that. Okay. I know that there are some processes that begin digestion in the mouth mm-hmm. with mastication. Are we missing anything by going straight for the gut when we're drinking something? Are, are, are we benefited at all by chewing versus just so drinking? Chewing
1: is a satisfaction that we have. Okay. So mastication is actually something like textile that we put in our mouth and we like the feeling of chewing. Um, there is enzymes that break down the food in that in your mouth first that mm-hmm. then go to your stomach, but your stomach's very capable of doing its job. It doesn't need you to chew first if you would rather drink. Like when we drink a protein shake, if the protein's already all set and it's not in like a powder form and you're not just like, you know, you don't have to do anything. So the enzymes in your mouth are really just for the breakdown of the food. It doesn't Great. necessarily nutrition take away or put
0: Towards the nutrition at all. No absorption that would be taking place. Not in the mouth. missing out on. No, just
1: just breakdown.
0: Great. To a little bit go back to the juicing and blending. um, A lot of people that I see, it's probably more in pop culture, social media, probably on Instagram. Is a lot of celery, like getting a lot of nutrients, vitamins from celery. I don't know if they're juicing it, blending it. Can you speak any on this celery phenomenon?
1: People love fad anything, like anything they can get their hands on. Like, what does celery do? People will say things like, well, it's negative calories. Well, not if you're blending it. And it's not negative calories, it just means you're chewing. Like, do you sweat when you're chewing? Like, you're not actually burning calories. (laughs) Yeah, like (laughs) if you're really getting focused, how many times are you chewing that? Like, calm down. Um, clinically, like, is there nutrients in celery that no other vegetable has? No. Okay. I mean, there's cellulose in celery. That's, it's fibrous. So if you're chewing it, you're getting a good amount of fiber that you're breaking down. And it does take energy to break down the fibers in celery. It's tough to chew. It's a filler. It's a filler vegetable. So if people are eating a ton of celery in between meals, it's probably because they're hungry because they're not eating enough. Of the other stuff so they're filling their stomachs with something that expands fiber cellulose celery but like no it's not magical there's no magic it's just like all i know if there was i would have zero job but this is why i'm still employed because there is nothing magic it's just food Mm
0: -hmm. regular old whole food Speaking of food, thank you for bringing us back there. We, we started talking about supplements, and you said food first is kind of your philosophy, mm-hmm. and that's sort of an industry standard yep. uh, for you and your colleagues. Um, but I do want to talk about supplements, because I think no matter how many pronouncements you make, um, supplements are obviously flying off the shelves everywhere. They're, they're still very, very popular. So if I'm gonna take a supplement, are there things that you would steer me towards? Like if I've got $20 burning a hole in my pocket, are there kinds of products out there that you would steer me toward or definitely steer me aware of? I know you kind of talked about this in the context of what are your goals?
1: That's the first question. There's no way of getting around that question. Okay. It's my question to anybody that sits down with any dietitian. like what's the point? Why are you taking a supplement? Are you taking it because you feel like you're deficient? Are you a vegetarian? Are you a vegan? Do you want to get faster? Are you trying to get stronger? Are you trying to get bigger? Are you trying to get leaner? What's the point? So, um, no, there's not like a specific supplement unless I had a goal.
0: So it sounds like every discussion that you have starts with a, what are your goals? Every single one. What do you want to get done here? Okay. Why are you seeing me? Right. What are we talking okay. about? So every once in a while, we'll get an email, it seems like talking about um, a supplement that's maybe popped up on everyone's radar because there's been some bad outcome associated with taking that supplement. And uh, um, should our listening audience assume that just because they can buy something on or off base in a nutrition store that it's safe to take? What's been your experience? No.
1: Um, There's people with heart issues, high blood pressure, heart murmurs, um, they have genetic history of some, or some illness or another, or they are already hyper, or they already drink a bunch of coffee, or whatever the case is. Like Supplements vary based, again, on the individual.
0: Okay, let's assume, uh, for argument's sake, that I'm uh, more conscientious than the average airman. I've done my internet research. Uh, on supplements, and I, I'm, I'm about ready to buy something. I think it's going to meet my goals. Is there a resource out there that's reputable that you would recommend around supplement safety or where I can get more information?
1: Yeah, so there's a couple things. Um, there's something called a third party seal, and it's a seal that shows that the product has been evaluated for quality of the like what you're dealing with is actually what you're dealing with and safety and I'm sorry, impurity. So there's the Banned Substance Control Group. It's the BSCG, the Informed Sport, the NSF Certified Sport, and the United States Pharmacopial Convention, which is USP. Those seals on your supplement, in addition to the ones that have to be there, the FDA seals, just saying like, hey, we know this is happening. Um, Those are helpful. Those will gear you towards more safe products. And then the other website that we use in any time we're looking for what supplement has an ingredient in it that we don't want, and they're all listed is the OPSS website. So that's the website OPSS. OPSS. Yep, okay. and you can type it into the global, I believe, and it will come up, or just Google OPSS military.
0: It stands for.
1: I don't actually know, but okay. I just know that this is, that is what we use supplements. Something or? it has to do with Champ. Which is like the program in San Antonio,
0: uh, based out of uh, USIS, actually at the Uniform Services University of the Health yeah, Sciences. Yeah,
1: yeah. So uh, there, there's a woman in CHAMP who came and lectured on this, and this is their, the um, uniform, yeah, Uniform Services of Health Science, the university that is their website that they use for us to educate the dietitians on what to look for. Great. Um, yeah, I think
0: I think the website. There's the. Um, Human Performance Resource Center, or HPRC. That's uh, the one
1: that you showed me, yeah. Right,
0: I, th- I think that's the one that talks. You can go and look by supplements and uh, look at, you know, maybe potential safety inter- issues, drug interactions, that kind of thing. Some of that is meant meant more for providers who may be talking to people about um, supplement safety, but I think it might be a good general resource yeah. for people to check out. The
1: nice thing about that website is like, it, it will tell you. The chemical names of things, which, because it won't, mm. if manufacturers want you to be confused or want you to give up looking for an ingredient, mm. they'll put the whole, like, bimethyl, butane, blah, 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 6.5 on there. That website is like, here's this. This is its regular name. This is a aromatase inhibitor. What does that look like on a supplement bottle? Because they're not going to straight out say uh. that. And then it, it will list, like, B6, 6, 9 but and it tells you exactly what chemical names you're looking for, so you don't have to, like, think about it. it. You're just quickly looking to see if any of that's in there.
0: And then all the products that that yep. particular compound is found in yep. on the market.
1: That we don't allow.
0: Okay, great. If you don't mind, I'd like to kind of switch topics now and uh, talk a little bit about... Um, something that's been identified to me, I guess, since I've been in the Air Forces, which is the surge culture when it comes to our, to our PT tests. And by surge culture, I'll unpack that a little bit. I mean, I've sort of observed this phenomenon, and perhaps you guys have too, that people tend to get ready for their physical fitness assessments in the weeks, maybe months leading up to their test. And my concerns about that are versus staying ready people are getting ready and often in rapid fashion and they're maybe increasing their risk for injury or illness um, as a result Um, but i just kind of want to open it up and 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 see what your thoughts are on that
1: um so i have also experienced this because i teach a hit cardio class at the dfac in the hospital four days a week so i get pt failures or people that a week out from their test or two weeks out from their test, or like, I gotta work out with you every day to get my cardio up. Like, you're running a mile and a half. So we need to recognize that if you're not a good runner, it's gonna take more than a week to get yourself where you need to be. Mm-hmm. There has to be some sort of a plan. I would say at least a month if you know where your areas of weakness are.
0: So I know, I know you mentioned uh, your practice a little bit over at the hospital, and I wanna kinda give you an opportunity to talk about what it is you do there, and how our airmen would get referred to you, or the typical kinds of issues that you see in your practice, and maybe what tips you have for us as we kind of close things out.
1: Um, so we see all outpatient, basically. We do we do see inpatient, we're, we were there for inpatient, but there's a very small percentage of our patients that are actually in the hospital. Um, so we mostly do referrals from the classes. So when you want to get referred to me, you can ask your PCM, you can self-refer. Um, if you are someone that's looking for like a weight management or just like a general healthy eating, we, you have to go to this class first, which is like our weight management class taught by a dietitian. Um, and then there's a class for pregnancy nutrition, a class for high cholesterol or high lipids. Um, a class for diabetes like newly diagnosed or you've been diabetic for a long time um, and all type 2 diabetes and all of those are classes that you would take we would put you into a class based on your referral from your PCM or if you called and said I want to self refer or came over to the office and said hi I want to see if I can get in a class then once you do the class you're able to say um, they'll give you a sheet to fill out and you can say that you want a 101 and then we will schedule you with a dietitian to see a one-on-one for further information based on what you have going on.
0: Can I circle back to, you mentioned pregnancy nutrition. Yeah. Does that include antepartum as well as postpartum? As people it's are, you know?
1: mostly just during okay. pregnancy.
0: And do you guys do anything uh, for folks after a delivery and kind of before, in, in that critical window when they're gearing up for that PT test again, do you see anyone in your practice who's working on nutrition or weight management issues?
1: We can, they would likely be placed in the weight management class to kind of, most of the time it would be the women trying to lose the baby weight to get Mm -hmm. back in shape. Um, But most of the time that would go to a weight management class unless they had like some specific thing happen Mm -hmm. in their pregnancy and then they would see me one-on-one. I see um, all the way from neonatal up to through adolescence. So that was not in the hospital before I came. So if you have a kid that's a dependent or a baby that's failure to thrive. I also get those referrals, mm-hmm. um, which we didn't. We used to send them to Portsmouth. So if it is a actual condition or it's pediatrics of any kind, we will go through the referrals that we get um, on the system, on the PCM system, and we will put them with what needs to happen. If it's more clinical, you don't go to a class.
0: Okay. So it so- sounds like. My PCM might refer me, well not me, but uh, a female for gestational diabetes. And that's a class. Okay, Mm -hmm. got
1: it. Gestational diabetes has its own class, and that's done with nursing from Women's Health and with us.
0: Okay, great, great. I'm sure that our listening audience would be uh, eager to know if you have any kind of uh, little nuggets of truth or some basic nutritional uh, tips for us that anyone can uh, bring into their, their practice.
1: Um, I mean in the outpatient setting so this is the outpatient thing is kind of new for me because I'm used to seeing super super sick people mm. um, so the three like the biggest things that I deal with are men that want to gain weight a couple of women I've had that want to get put on muscle put on size um, and people that want to lose weight so those are like the big categories everyone wants to do some sort of that lose or gain muscle Um the plug that I put into every single one of my briefs is that you cannot out-train bad nutrition. I don't care if you're an Olympic athlete. If you don't eat like an Olympic athlete, then you're not going to be able to do what you need to do. So that is period, end of discussion. I think I've heard
0: the phrase, abs are made in the kitchen.
1: They're 100% made in the kitchen. It's about an 80-20 split of kitchen to gym time. I wish it was the other way around, but that is not how it works, unfortunately. And... I guess, too, if you come to someone and you want to put on size or you want to lose weight, whatever it is, there's not one that's easier than the other. Um, It is work. It is preparation. It is willingness to train if you're trying to put size on. It is willingness to eat things and try things you might not have. But preparation is 100% the key to the success of any weight loss or weight gain journey.
0: Well, Captain Carpenter, we want to thank you for coming out and uh, spending some time with us and educating us and our airmen about nutrition, supplements, uh, safety, all this stuff. Uh, We really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thanks
1: for having me. Thank you both. Thank you.
0: And team, thanks for listening to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR wing. Uh, Dr. Reed.
1: Sergeant Jacqueline. Captain Carpenter.
0: Thanks for all you do for our wing. Have a great day.